Tuesday, and I still love the music, Mona. You did a great job in choosing the music, oh, by the way. So good, 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 good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm fine. Uh, a little bit noisy here uh, at my house today, but uh, hopefully you won't you won't hear that. And Mike won't pick it up. But uh, but yeah, I'm we're getting I'm some painting done. Painting. So, painting. So there's ladders, you know, being extended and withdrawn, and you know, ladders go clank 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 when you when you uh, bring them down, right? So. Anyway, it is, it is the sound of progress. So I'm counting yeah. on you to be the the sprightly one today. Uh, we we have, we have so much to cover, and 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 I want to do a coin flip a little bit later. Can we do that? Okay, on, right. on the podcast, people can look over our shoulders and see how we do that. So um, we're waking <laughs> up this morning, finding out that uh, George Santos has decided that he is going to recuse himself from all the House committees so that he can devote himself to his uh, NFL career. <laughs> Did you see know. that um, that congressman who uh, I'm sure you did, you know, who extended his welcome to Santos on the before he withdrew from it on the science committee and said, you know, it wanted to welcome the field prize, Nobel Prize, field prize winner, you know, champion, uh, you know, World Series champ, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> The only problem with I love the George Santos story, but it is really at this point beyond parody, right? I mean, it's like it's like what else can we find about him? So this comes what the day or two after Kevin McCarthy is grilled about his rank hypocrisy and trying to kick other people off committees, but still standing by George Santos. And so George Santos, I'm sure all by himself decided maybe it's not a good idea that I actually serve on committees. Yeah, by the way, Charlie, no, something I, I want to just just underline something that you just said. So you said, like, it's beyond parody. And don't you get the feeling that this whole sort of Trumpian era has been like that? Like, just consider that, Oh yeah, you know, something that we all talk about now as if it's, you know, just totally normal. But the prosecutor in New York is considering bringing charges, apparently is going to bring charges against Trump for the, the Stormy Daniels thing. Paying know? off a porn star. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it is like, okay, you know, we have had, God knows, sex scandals <laughs> in American history before. We've had plenty of people who've misbehaved. But it took the Trumpian era for us to get... No, he couldn't just have a normal affair. He had to have an affair with a porn star. <laughs> of course just, he did. Of course he did. Um, yes. Did you see his Truth Social uh, comment on this today? No. Okay. I'm going to read this to you. This is like, okay, so this is Donald J. Trump, literally the former president of the United States, the leading Republican candidate for president of the United States, wrote this this morning. With respect to the stormy nonsense... It is, all in caps, very old and happened a long time ago, comma, long, long past the very publicly known and accepted deadline of the statute of limitations, period. I placed full reliance on the, this is all in caps, judgment and advice of counsel, word misspelled, who I had every reason to believe had a license to practice law, was competent, was able to appropriately provide solid legal services. He came from a good law firm represented other clients over the years, and there was no reason not to rely on him, and I did. Which is like, so so basically, he's confessing again? Yes! yes. <laughs> it was all Michael Cohen's idea, because, you know, who wouldn't listen to Michael Cohen's legal advice, you know? And by the way, I mean, completely contradicting his earlier denials, right? I mean, he has denied that he had an affair with her, like, for 
five years, six years, right? And no one believed it. Nobody really, at this point, his base doesn't care. Michael Cohen went to jail for doing (laughs) what Donald Trump asked him. This is this weird thing. It's like all the prosecutors have decided, well, you know, we we can't do this. We can't charge uh, Donald Trump because this is too small or this is too big or this would be too what. So Michael Cohen goes to prison for the paying off of Stormy Daniel, he is what? He's um, individual number one or something like that. And it's obviously Donald Trump. Everybody knows this. I don't know. Yes. But okay, on the too small thing, the things that Donald Trump did that were the very worst, as David Frum pointed out, are the kinds of things that probably or may not even be crimes. You know, that's the problem is that like he tried to subvert our, like when you think back to the first impeachment. Like, you know, everybody has sort of settled into this view now that, oh, you know, that was really an overreach and uh, okay, so he, you know, something about Ukraine and weapons and something, something, something. something. Yeah, extortion. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, the only one who voted to to impeach him and to convict him was, was Romney. Anyway, but that kind of, you know, perversion of our system you know, where he was trying to extort an ally using foreign aid, using military aid as a way to compromise the 2020 election. That is by eliminating his strongest opponent, namely Joe Biden. That is the kind of thing that is really super serious. And yet, because the political system failed to impeach him, it probably wasn't strictly speaking, a crime that you could find in the federal register, uh, you know? Well, yes. Uh, so going back to your point about the parodies, it, it does it does feel like we're living through this, this simulation. Well, what if this? What if we had this happen? And the problem is that we've exhausted all the various possible simulations, right? Because yeah. like, can we be honest about it? You know, the, the hardcore white male base of Trumpism looks at the Stormy Daniels story. And you, you know what they think, right? I do. Dude got a porn star. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, you know, fist, fist bump. It's also hard now to keep track of everything. I actually retweeted a guy who has sort of a, a handy little, little, you know, guideline here. So you have to, you, you here's your, your crime tracker here. Um, election interference, Georgia case, fraud, New York, Sexual assault battery, New York. Bribery, New York. Election interference, DOJ. Obstruction of justice, DOJ. Seditious conspiracy, DOJ. And this doesn't include the civil charges. This doesn't include any of that stuff. Right, like the New York attorney general suing him for tax uh, irregularities and all that. And yes. So should we talk about the Bulwark poll, which I find absolutely fascinating? This is our first ever poll. We didn't do it. Um, You know, this is a very reputable polling firm. Uh, North Star, we're reputable, of course. North Star Opinion Research, um, Wit Ayers. And here's the bottom line. Okay, can I just share this with you? Sarah Longwell has a great piece in the bulwark about it. Which everyone should read, yeah. Donald Trump has slipped to his lowest point since he emerged on the political scene almost eight years ago. He remains a formidable force, to be sure, with a lock on approximately 30% of likely Republican primary and caucus voters nationally. But a majority of the GOP is ready to move on. Okay, so the good news, that's, you know, being never Trumpers, the good news is, 
that he loses in head-to-head matchups. DeSantis leads him 52 to 30% straight up. DeSantis, Trump, another candidate, you know, three-way race. Uh, DeSantis still 44, 28 to Trump. Generic candidate gets 10%. So this would suggest that the vast majority of Republican voters are willing to move on. However, the less optimistic point of view is that he still has this iron lock on 28 to 30% of the Republican base who will follow him to the gates of hell. And 28% of his supporters would actually vote for him as a third-party candidate. So let's do the choose-your-adventure. Adventure A, if you want to argue the GOP is moving on from Trump, that's A, or do you want to argue that Trump still has enough grip on the base to win a fractured GOP primary? Okay, so let's have a coin flip. I'm going with B. Okay, okay. coin flip, you win. You go with A. You think that despite these numbers showing him being shellacked in the primary by Ron DeSantis, he still has enough grip on the the base to win a fractured primary. Okay, make your dark case, Mona. (laughs) I will have the sunny optimistic case, which is not really that sunny. Which is not in your character. No, exactly. No, 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 it is decisively not. Okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> you you go dark right. you go dark today. I'll tr- I'll try. So first of all, the idiots who make the rules in the Republican Party, that is the local GOP committees in all the states, have it within their power to change the way delegates are allocated. They could change the rules. They've changed them before. And not that long ago, after Romney lost, they they changed the rules to winner take all because they felt like Romney was hampered by a long primary campaign and therefore didn't have the money to spend to go up against Obama in 2012, whereas Obama had a clear field. And oh, okay, so they changed the rules not that long ago. They could change them again from winner take all to a proportional system. So that Trump's 28 or 30 percent or whatever it is. Actually, it's a little unclear what that is. It's not a precise number, but whatever it is, let's call it. It changes everything. Yeah. But yeah. So when you have a rock solid plurality like that and a crowded field, which there is every reason to believe we will have, look at what Nikki Haley is doing. Look at what DeSantis is doing. Look at what Mike Pompeo is doing, who seems to think, by the way, that being the biggest asshole is the key to the hearts of the primary voters. And God knows he may be right. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today 